Anything I want you to do for me. What? Come here. When? When? Wait, wait, wait! Take this! This week's guest from the hills of the Cherokee National Forest, Hickory, North Carolina. You've seen him on Last Comic Standing. Winner, Rodney, eastbound and down, into the storm, and at a comedy club near you soon, ladies and gentlemen, John Reed. I'm your co-host, John Sheezer, and now, your host of the Tim Gaither Podcast, Tim Gaither. Yeah! Wow, that's a great intro, buddy. Yeah. I told you I was going to work one up. Hello, everybody. I Welcome like to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 58. Our guest today is John Reap. Hello. The one and only John Reap. Um, man, yeah. you've done so much shit that I completely forget sometimes that you won last year. Yeah! Time. Champion! <laughs> world champion for one year. I was able to tell people that I'm the best comedian in the world. In the world. Because they won the contest. Yeah. That's why they have it, see? Yeah. So they can see who's the best. Well, you were the first one that, that <laughs> won it that I was like, well, that guy deserves to win it, goddammit. Dude, last years. that whole thing was a, was crazy, right? Like, I, it was season five, says so 2007. And, uh, you know, I've been watching that, that show at home thinking to myself, ah, who are these? I don't even know a lot of these comics. And I live out here, and I've been yeah. on the road a while. Uh, I'm not all of them, but you know some of them. Like I didn't know that I was kind of like jealous. Like these guys are getting this primetime network TV exposure, but I hated the fact that it was a. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a reality show, which I kind of hated that part because you'd see a comedian be on stage, cocky, carefree, and just very sure of himself, and then look and have a great set, look right in the camera, and go, "Please vote for me!" Like it looked so <laughs> desperate and weird. Like I hated that part of it, so I kind of just didn't do it i mean i was sort of like i thought about auditioning every year and then I, but i always kind of like nah maybe not and then uh, uh my agent calls me up he goes hey um this year if you want to go down there i got a set audition for you. you don't have to wait in line you know you can just go down there and do, do your audition um they're looking for like road sort of guys who can actually headline because they had problems with some of them the years prior not all i'm just saying some not having enough time yeah just not being able to headline um right. and then um you know, they they said uh, this year you don't have to live in a house without the comics. You, everyone's going to get their own hotel room, and the prize money is going up from fifty thousand to two hundred fifty thousand. Yes. I said, okay, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll go down there. <laughs> yeah. So I went to the uh, Improv on Melrose, and uh, and and I didn't think I'd go far. I knew, yeah, I knew they'd paint me as the redneck guy, though. You know, like I knew that'd be that guy. There's always like, you know, we got the gay guy, we got the lesbian girl, we got, you know, we got the redneck, whatever it is. You know, they like to fill these little, uh, you know, niches. So I knew that, I, you know, I'd be that guy, fresh off the chuck wagon. Yeah. Well, I think the after you did it is when they started getting kind of weird with it. Like they started uh, having like boxing matches and shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. That show's always had an identity crisis. You know, it's like, is it supposed to be looking for new talent or can anybody 
can anybody just go you know audition for it yeah. um and they've had they've had it before where america could vote and some years it was just up to judges you know right. um which was always weird when they were like peers and you were like well remember that time we had that fight behind the club yeah. three years ago and now you're judging if i make twenty thousand yeah. dollars right like that's funny like the one of the judges my season was alonzo bowden and we had the same agent yeah. oh, <laughs> so that was oh never talk so when you moved out here and got a door uh, job as a door guy, did does that mean Mitzi hired you? Yeah, so I came out here 2000. Um, I was friends with Jeff Richards, and uh, he was already kind of in here a little bit. North Carolina roots, right? Yeah, yeah. He's I met him in in Good Nights in Raleigh. He was going to Chapel Hill. I was going to NC State, but Good Nights was the club that you went to there. And so we met there, and then he moved out here before me. And then um, I came out here a couple years later, and, and – uh, and he introduced me to people here, and um, yeah. So Mitzi, uh, I had to do like like Mitzi sat in the back of the room, and uh, went up. Uh, I guess it was a Sunday or Monday or whatever night it was. I forgot when they did it, but uh, you go up there and do your little showcase for Mitzi, and then she, you get approved or not, you know. I think Eleanor or Jeff, one of them, right before I went on, whispered in her ear like, "Okay, you have to watch this guy," because sometimes she wouldn't always paying attention or someone would distract her yeah and, and she just missed the whole thing and he definitely didn't want that to happen so someone actually on my behalf said you need to watch this one right and uh went up there and i guess had a good set and she goes you're you're good you're fine like that and then so then i was uh a paid regular and that's how you got passed. that's how that yeah was all the... it, it didn't even really take that long i was uh you know i was on the road for a couple of years before i even moved out here as a feature act just yeah. all, all over the country and uh so by the time I came out here, you know, doing 10 or 15 wasn't that hard. Right. Um, but so I, I remember nervous. being intimidated as hell, though. Oh, yeah. Because I, I remember thinking, like, well, this is where the best come, L.A. or New yeah. York. And I'm going to get out here, and I'm going to suck, and I'm going to have to start over and figure everything out. And I do remember, like, um, doing an open mic somewhere. I think it was uh, some somewhere off of Vermont. I forgot where, what this place was. Anyway, a um, bunch of open micers, you know, and I'm, I was, like, fourth on the lineup, and I'm I remember sitting in the back of the room just watching these comics go up, just eat shit. And I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill. Yeah. And I, I thought, like, well, this – no, I thought it was going to be harder than this. Yeah. I wasn't crushed. And then the next night, I went somewhere and, you know, had to follow Chappelle, and I ate shit. Yeah. So that's the great or bad thing about doing comedy out here in this town, man. Right. It's, it's everything. Yeah, when I first moved out here, I'd, I'd already been doing it for a living for eight years, ten, 10 overall and eight for a living. So I didn't realize – I didn't honestly didn't realize what a big deal it was to get past here. And yeah. I got, I got passed quickly and all that. And it was cool. And I was grateful and don't get me wrong. But I, when people were like, you know, making such a big deal out of it, I, yeah. I didn't fully realize it like took me a couple of years probably. After uh -huh. I fucked up a lot of opportunities. Cause I was like, yeah, <laughs> big deal. Yeah. You know? Who cares? I do this for a living. I should be passed. Yeah. I, I know it's almost insulting yeah. that you got to come here and, and, and get passed after yeah. you've already done more than a lot of people have who, who've been here for years. Yeah. That's that was, why, that I, was always a struggle not to interrupt, but like sorry. when I, cause when I would back in the day, like be at the potluck or even hosting and like you would get guys with years of road experience that would come to LA, maybe even trying to showcase, not even necessarily living here, but, I mean, I heard I heard this so much. I I need more three minutes. I need more than three minutes yeah. to be funny. And I would just go, just think about what you just said to me. Yeah. Like just just that like that you need more than three minutes to be funny is probably an issue. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, no, not no one 
uh, who's actually funny would say they need more than three minutes. To right, be funny. right. I, I heard that. <laughs> yeah. Of but at the same yeah. time, I know what they mean. I yeah. Do. Like I, I, I hate. Short I get that sets too. Because it takes me a minute to like. It takes me a minute to like get into my rhythm and all that, and I talk a little bit slower and all that stuff. So when I do shorter sets, I'm constantly thinking of all the things I've got to cut out and yeah. segue as quickly to it as possible. Where yeah. I, as when I headline, I'm just like, all right, I'm doing. Anywhere from forty-five to an hour, mm-hmm. I can relax. And you talk ease to, into it. Yeah, talk to the crowd where I want to, and but you, you gotta know. have that it, which is why. And I've seen both of you got when you go on stage, the audience is like, they know they're about to die laughing before you guys have even said anything. Yeah, you know? they, that, like, I think I hope. a lot of that comes with. Uh, sometimes I think crowds can tell confidence or just something as simple as how you take the microphone out of the stand or if you don't fumble with it too much yeah just little shit like that you know whereas like an open mic girl you know if they want to look at the microphone and they, yeah they take the thing out and they look all awkward yeah if you're nervous up there the crowd will be nervous as well for yeah. you um but if you're confident it makes them relax and and they can enjoy it easier i think yeah I, i've told people that th- there's the crowd wants you to do well yeah, because it's uncomfortable as shit for them too. Yeah. To watch someone <laughs> eat it yeah. or for, to watch them be uncomfortable yeah. or feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, there's something about just being in the crowd that in, in and of itself is intimidating. Yeah. That's why like when people say like, Oh, I like to, I, I like it when a comic goes up there and just eat shit. Like, no, you, you really don't. You like it for maybe a second if they're too confident and cocky and they deserve that, that, yeah. but, but normally, no, you don't want that. You know, you kind of want them to. You want them to succeed because it's your time and your money as well. Yeah, <laughs> invested in this. And especially if you're following them, like yeah, my, my friend Jason Dixon came up to me one night when somebody, oh Jason Dixon, yeah, he's great, isn't he? He came up to me one night when someone was eating it, and he goes, and "I was just starting out," and he goes, "Now the crowd is like an abused housewife. <laughs> <laughs> they want to trust you, but they're scared to." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he is he the one that works in um, Virginia now? He he's the uh, he's the Manager. GM at, at the uh, Richmond Fund. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. good, good. good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. Uh, yeah, and he, he no one has given me more pearls of wisdom. Um, than he's Jason great, Dixon. Yeah, he's just he would always come by and had these just great um, little nuggets of wisdom, um, and that was one I always remember. Now the crowd is like an abused <laughs> housewife. Housewife. This is so bad. <laughs> Could have said wife. Housewife. This is so painful, though, sometimes. After seven, eight minutes, and you're just... It's like, if this guy ended his life, it would be less uncomfortable yeah. than watching this right so now. when yeah. when you uh when you started did you have much interaction with mitzi then did you ever really talk to no her? i no? think that was maybe the only time i've ever talked to her okay and then after that i didn't see her hardly ever like she slowly stopped coming as much yeah. um and that was even in 2002 i want to say 2000 so yeah, you started one. at charlie goodnights i started at goodnights which is a great open room. mic there yeah that which is good and bad because you know it's good room so you you know you want to do well uh but it also spoils you because you think everything's going to be this easy and then yeah. you go else you go outside of that and it's harder but um started there open mic um had a buddy marty who you remind me of yeah. is the one who uh basically pushed me into this i mean i, I 
As a kid growing up, okay, so my dad was class clown. I got class clown. My too. brother got it after me. Yeah. So it was weird. <laughs> it's almost like a calling. Um, but not, it's not like I thought I was going to be a stand-up. You know, growing up in Hickory, there's no clubs. You don't think of it. You think it's just like a – it's just a dream you have, you know. Right. And everyone tells you you should be, you should be. And then, you know, you go – when you go to sleep, you have these fantasies of it, and, and you always crush on The Tonight Show, whatever it is, you know. So I had that dream for a long time, and then – um when I moved to Raleigh, that's when I've discovered there was a club next to the campus there, and uh, so you went to college in Raleigh. I went to yeah school at NC State. I barely got in there. I went to community college for two years, then tried to transfer. Nothing did because it was C's and D's, and it was a quarter system going to a semester system. So yeah, we don't do that. So you just got to start over. Um, but I didn't even get in. I had to do this backdoor program called uh, the Lifelong Program, oh, yeah. where they can let anybody <laughs> off the street take two classes in a PE, and if you do good, they might admit you as a full-time student. Huh. And it took me two semesters to get in. And then I said, shit, that was hard. I got to pick a major now. And then I didn't know what to pick. I just wanted a degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, I figured, well, I got to pick something easy. What's easy? So I'm like, well, what are the athletes taking? They're usually pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> oh, communication. I'll do that. So I just, I did communication just because I thought it'd be easy. And that's where I got into theater and I started taking theater classes. And, uh, and then I, I was good at it. You know, yeah. everyone uh, wanted to do scenes with me and it was a lot of fun. And then that gave me the confidence to walk over to Good Nights uh, and, and check that out for the first time. Man, I wish I would have done theater classes and, and all that stuff. And, and we had a really good forensics team at our high school that used to win state every year. And you like Forensic? You, yeah, like you had to get... Uh, like, Is this wrestling? It's fancy for drama. That's all oh, that means. I never heard that. Yeah. I think of forensic files, like no. you know. <laughs> like X Files. Yeah, uh, like yeah, forensic. That, that's what I thought too. Like forensics. What is forensics? But yeah, it's like uh, it's like drama, and you had to get recommended oh. for it, and someone that was already in forensics, and okay. I got recommended for it. But that was a job well, I never would have thought of taking theater in high school yeah that was for the sort of the nerdy kind you know yeah. like i was a I football like, player i like sat like four rows back and like wouldn't wouldn't talk to any of them they're like tim do you want to join the class i'd be like no no <laughs> nerd don't talk to me don't even look at me uh, yeah and, and but they were all like they were just all like really like weird i was gonna say listeners this was the 90s glee didn't exist yet it wasn't cool to just be skipping around school yeah and yeah singing yeah. and dancing especially yeah. you grow up where we grew up you know in the midwest or the south it's, you yeah. just don't do that yeah it's not like it's just something you do if you can't do anything else right. if you just like to make pretend with your friends <laughs> that's kind of what it was like you don't even you can't even grow up you don't keep playing pretend yeah. but that's that's kind of what it was and so uh, I wish I would have done it too earlier. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, it was an accident. I didn't, ever, I didn't even think of doing it. I just wanted an easy right. A. And then, uh, but and then you I, did graduate from North Carolina. I did. State. Yeah, a uh, graduate communication degree in uh, theater and public and personal communication. It's like just a random general BA in communication. But um, then I started. I got a job at a TV station right after. Like I was doing an internship. At UNC TV, that's like a PBS of North Carolina, right? Okay. And so I was uh, like, you know, anything from a, a teleprompter operator to a boom mic to like a studio camera. I, I slowly worked my way up to even assistant director of a couple of like boring ass shows. One was called North Carolina Now, and the other one was called Legislative Week in Review. Oh, Woo! Snooze fest. <laughs> I mean, tell you, I'd, I'd go to these committee meetings hungover from the night before with a boom mic, and that's like. Hitting people in the head with it because right. I'm passing out. <laughs> so I'm surprised I didn't get fired. But um, the good thing about that was I had access because I was doing stand-up at night. Yeah. Like I was still 
working my way up as a feature guy. You know, I was made, I, I, I made the jump to like regular sort of MC pretty quick. Yeah. And then, um, and then I was getting a lot of stage time there. So I was, you know, I had a good 20, 30 minutes pretty quick. And then, uh, working at the TV station, I had access to all this great equipment. Right. Right. And so I remember one night, one of the, maybe like the fourth time I ever featured, I got like three cameras from the, from the uh, TV station in there. Got some buddies, told my bomb their beers. And I, I shot my own special pretty much for free. I had three cameras shoot, two channels of audio, went back and edited. I had, oh, I had a great equipment nice. and I, I sweetened up. Good. Yeah, I bumped yeah. them up, turned it, you know, and then. Yeah, and I had put graphics on it. It's just before the internet too. Right. And I had access. I had. I got like all these VHS tapes for free that were like you know recycled, and mm -hmm. we had decks. I could make a recording uh, ten at a time, and so I made, I don't know, fifty tapes for free. And then I got this book that had every address for every comedy club in the country. And I made up a fake resume, a little stupid headshot, and put the tape in there. And I just sent it, and slowly. Slowly over time, work just started trickling in because I was a high energy guy too, and they like that. As yeah. as if if you're a no name and a club is going to uh, you know take a risk on a feature act, they just want someone who's going to be at least high energy. Yeah, well, that used to be how it was, and it was frankly a lot easier. I mean, in some ways, to just send out your stuff and they had to sit and watch it, and you know, yeah, if, if you were funny, they and now they just look at your. Twitter page and so yeah. many followers you've got. I wonder if it's harder for features now than it was for us. Oh, it definitely is because features now don't get put up. A lot of clubs have yeah. figured out that they don't have to put up. The They'll use act. local people. Yeah, they save like they save. Well, let me tell you I, how it is, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you have you have to be friends with the headliner now. That's that's a big part of it, and then it's, and if you are doing a club, it's like you're on there. I don't even know, 64 comic rotation, you yeah, know, if yeah. you're lucky, because that means you're getting one once a year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it's just going in there. I try to be on my P's and Q's, and I'm yeah. not, like, trying to do anything that's going to be, you know, memorable in a bad way. Sure. Just try to, but, yeah, it's, like, it's impossible for the email contact, unless you have an established face-to-face -face relationship with some of these people. Yeah. Like, they're not, you're not going to hear back from them. They get hundreds of emails a week now. Yeah. yeah, but I was, in a weird way, I think emailing and the internet made it a little easier, you it, know. Well, which is why there's so much more to deal with. Yeah, yeah and it's and there's a lot more people doing it because it is easier it's, yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. we're just more popular now. Like even exactly. even doing stand up wasn't a wasn't a thing I even considered. I call it the last comic standing, standing effect. effect. Yeah, everyone yeah. thought like, well, I could do that. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I think uh, in a weird way, it's harder and easier at the same time. If that makes any sense. Um, you, you, it's almost like you have to be friends with a headliner, and they and they have to recommend you, yeah. and and they're not putting them up anymore. I yeah. think the pays never has never went up from the eighties. Maybe might, from the nineties. It might be worse now. At, at a lot, so like, at, was it like fifty dollars a show? The good Maybe? clubs would give you a hundred to feature per show. Okay. Um. So I don't know what they pay now, but now they've figured out that they they don't really need to put them up, which saves them tons of money every year. And there's so many people, like you said it to your point that they can get four or five guys to do guest spots and yeah. they don't have to pay those guys at right. all. Right. And a lot of times the headliner's like, I don't care who it is. I don't want... If they're not bringing anybody, then they don't really don't care as long as they're not going to tank the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, dude, I remember like I had a system down, you know, before the internet. I would... Uh, dude, I work with this guy named the, the Disgruntled Clown. I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah. Uh, he was or, or sometimes he's known as Rock and Roll John. 
Okay. So this dude had his own van and like had, had it decorated and painted the you know like he's that, that's his thing, right? He's like he advertised clown and he had a fucking van. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. And he would go go up on stage as a as a clown, a big kind of a big fat guy. And he would be disgruntled for about five minutes and then just drop the character and do his act. And you're like, well, what happened to the clown and the disgruntledness? Like, it just went away. <laughs> it's weird. But uh, but I did learn something from him. He he had a system, and he showed me his system, and I, I sort of adopted that. And, uh, I, dude, I, it was, he had a binder. He had, like, um, little worksheets printed up with the, with the name of the club. Yeah. Uh, all the, their info and then like a call sheet. Like I called them on this day. I left this message for this person. Remember to call back this day. Like it was like a system. Yeah. And I used his system. And I, you know, I got those tapes. I sent them out. And uh, I would, I would, I would wait a week. I'd call him. Like, Did you get the tape? Oh yeah, we haven't, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't got around to watching it yet. But we'll let you know. Okay, write that down. Wait a week. Call back. Have you seen the tape? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you do this date? Or, or no, we haven't seen it yet. Like I, I logged all that crap. Yeah. And um, I remember calling one club. And I don't want to throw this guy under the bus because I kind of like him now. But yeah. at the time he was kind of a dick. But uh, I would call. I wish you could say his name. Yeah, I can. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> he, he, he'll never watch this. Um, but uh, oh, maybe I'll wait till the end. It'll be like a nugget to watch the whole thing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Teaser! Spoiler! <laughs> Gotta watch the whole thing. I'll say at the end. We'll, we'll end it with his name. I'll just say, I am Blam. Just leave the show. No. Um, so I was calling him up, and I, I would call this club like every day. Not every day, like constantly. I had, you know, I had the system down. Once a week, call, call, call. Never got this guy on the phone, you know, left messages, never called me back. Finally, after maybe the 10th time of trying to get in touch with this guy, he goes, yeah, yeah, uh, we got the tape and yeah, it's not, uh, your comedy's not going to work here and just hung up. And that's the first time anyone ever been like negative towards me, right? Really? And it like hurt. Yeah. I was like, oh man, why? What are, you know, did I get on his nerves? Was it, is it, am I not funny? You know? Um, so that really bugged me for a long time. Then fast forward, um, to years later, I'm in Montreal at the Just for Laughs Festival doing New Faces and had a great set. Different agents and managers and club owners were coming up to me, talking to me, and here he comes. He's like, hey, introduce himself. I'm going to get you to the club sometime. Like, he didn't even know. Right. Re remember what he told me, but I never forgot. Right. And I wanted so bad in that moment to go, like, I don't think my comedy is going to work there. Yeah. But, yeah. but it wouldn't have mattered to him. He wouldn't have even known he said it. Yeah. You know, because I know it, to him it's him. nothing, but to me it was everything. Right. Um, and I never told him that, and I'm, just, I'm, and I'm friends with him now. You still never told <laughs> no, him. No, no, because I don't want it to be a weird thing. I, I could probably tell him he wouldn't give a shit. He'd be like, I don't remember that. Uh, maybe I was drunk that day. Maybe I was just or in a bad mood. A it could have been, yeah, yeah, it could have been anything, you know. But yeah. I remember when you first hear something about that and your craft and your art, because it's so personal, yeah. and someone says it's not going to work here. Oh. That's devastating. Yeah, I had a guy in Kansas City. He took over one of the Stanford and Sons, and uh, I can't remember his name either, Clint something. But good, good guy. And we've talked later, and he's been fine. But I had a sh I had a really good show. Like I killed from start to finish. And then later, I called him up, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I'd like to get a headline date out of you." And uh, he was like, "He was like, yeah, I don't really like your pacing." And I was like. <laughs> Well, what do you mean? He's like, you, you know, you talk a little slow. And I'm like, well, the crowd liked it. Isn't that all that fucking yeah, matters? Right. And it bugged the shit out of me. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wanted to tell him all the people I headlined for and you know, yeah. fuck off and all that. But it didn't. 
It didn't matter. And I saw yeah. a guy a couple years ago. He's like, hey, man, you're doing great. And I was like, yeah, I still yeah. talk yep. the same. Yep, <laughs> pace is the same, dude. <laughs> yep. Actually, same. I slowed down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you prefer, acting or stand-up? Uh, um, well, the only thing I don't like about stand-up is having to travel all the time. Yeah. That's just getting old. You're a traveling motherfucker. You're <laughs> always going. Yeah, I live in the air, I feel like. That's my second home is in the sky. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, okay, the, the best gig I've ever had was on a sitcom. I was on Rodney Carrington's sitcom called Rodney. Did two seasons of that. Uh, I bought a condo within walking distance That's of where right. we shot it. That's right. So I could look out my window and see the studio when the light was red. And, you know, I could walk over there and walk back home. And that was the best job I've ever had because it's it was a primetime network television show. Um... So the pay was great. Yeah. I wasn't the star. I had maybe three scenes, but they paid you like you're a regular. Yeah. And I've been chasing that carrot ever since. Really? And that was 2004. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2003 or four or something like that. But uh, that's the best gig ever. I, I, I want that job again. It's why I haven't left yet. You wouldn't want your own sitcom? I would, but I know that's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I've you're the guy. That's yeah. tons of work. Every time I watch your act, every time we've worked together, I'm like, man, if there's anyone they need to build a fucking sitcom around, it's I, John Reed. It's right there. If you watch my hour, especially the old hour, I'm kind of doing a lot of new stuff now, but like, it's definitely the reaps, you know, and I've got sitcoms written. Yeah. I've got three of them that, that can, that are ready to be sold now. But I just, you know, I think I'm lazy and that I don't go up enough here to get people to, to talk about it and, yeah. and make it a thing. But, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's, 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 um, that's kind of how I started this whole thing. It was like, you know, if you're funny enough, they'll give you a show. So yeah. why not make it look like the show's there in the hour? Yeah. And I've kind of, done that for years and years and years yeah but uh every time i see your act i think that and and even your pictures and stuff on instagram because you're always putting up stuff like old pictures of yourself and and the family and, yeah and the family and it kind of makes me it kind of makes me wish like i had grown up in your family <laughs> <laughs> you would have loved it man mine was dysfunctional as shit we were always moving we were always getting evicted in the middle of the night uh, oh really my parents got divorced when i was like nine and it was just always drama uh, and that sucks cops getting called and all that kind of shit my whole <laughs> my whole fucking childhood was like that and every time i see yours i'm like man that guy everyone's up. smiling all the time <laughs> everyone's yeah. smiling they, they grew up with both parents he's got these great stories from his, from yeah. his childhood you know on your in your act and uh, i just i took it for granted I, I don't realize how many people's parents are not together anymore you yeah. know like the kids like they say that's the new, the new normal but my parents have been together you know what they're in their eight, almost 80s now are they really? Well, no, they're just seven, late seventies, you know. Okay. But but like, uh, and they've they have been together since they were like in their twenties. Huh. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, that that was a fun childhood, definitely. You would have liked it. It looks fun. Right? I mean, I I mean, I went through a little rebel phase, you know, like growing up. You get, you know, it was always happy go lucky. Uh, dad was a manager of a good year, part time cop. Sometimes mom was a receptionist, but like it was all about church. Yeah. We'd go twice on Sundays and on Wednesday. Oh, the church story you've got in your act is funny. Which one? The one about falling asleep. Oh, my dad falls asleep. Dad yeah, he would snore and then like you know he'd wake himself up snoring as people do, yeah. and then he would like 
he, he, he kicked a pew in front of him yeah. and so it made this loud noise and everybody's looking around and he just played it off and <laughs> looking up at mom in the choir look how pretty your mom is up there <laughs> I was like damn you, how'd you get away with that but uh, it was a yeah, study a lot of your shit reminds me of it, it's 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 great if you guys haven't seen John Reap's act um, definitely whenever he's in a city near you you should check it out it's very uh, I mean you're not like squeaky clean or anything but you're definitely not dirty no you don't think of it I mean yeah. it, that's how I look at it like for me I, I don't if I'm watching a comedian and, and the takeaway is they were too dirty or they were clean then that's not good either yeah. I'll, the takeaway should be like dude that was hilarious yeah not like oh and they were clean or oh they were dirty you know so to me like Brian Regan one of the funniest guys in the world you almost took the words out of my mouth yeah, yeah. Brian Regan. Yeah, and and he's not dirty. No. But but I never was clean because I I, I'm stand for being clean and moral. Right. I did it because at the time that's how you got on television. Yeah. (laughs) It's different now, but that's how I started, and and uh, why change it now? You know. But it's very, uh, for lack of a better word, like a a wholesome act. As far as like you can, when you watch it, you can uh, I can picture all that shit. Like I picture your dad doing that, and and there were moments of my childhood that were like that, and just enough of it that I'm like, "Ah, I wish it would have always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And your act always reminds me of like the good parts of my childhood. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I feel like I don't have enough stories that are positive in my act like that. Like, <laughs> it's always like, uh, well, everyone says that comedy is like tragedy plus time. And I go like, well, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of tragedy. Yeah. Um, and I'm still working. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But then I think, oh, well, the one of the funniest stories I have is about my dad um, almost drowning by trying to fix a hole in the bottom of our swimming pool yeah, by yeah. putting a backpack full of rocks on and trying to breathe through a garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's thing. true story, and he was almost died that day, and at the time it was tragic because I thought he was going to die. He right. thought he was going to die, but now it's hilarious. So, so even that is a little bit of tragedy. So I do, there is some truth to that, yeah. I guess. You yeah, know. you do a great job of of painting a picture. You know, like like when your dad comes up off the bottom and he's like, "Didn't you idiots?" <laughs> and I can just see these two little redheaded kids standing there being like, "What? Daddy? What? What's an idiot?" <laughs> We just thought you was waving. Yeah. We just thought you was waving at us, Daddy. <laughs> That's then, a big chunk of my act is my dad, and which is why it's when you watch it, it's like, well, there's the sitcom. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the one story about your uncle. The, yeah, like my your uncle worked. My, yeah. Line. Yeah. my uncle worked at a Goodyear. Yeah. Right. And uh, well, I worked at a Goodyear for a while. My dad was a manager of a Goodyear. And my uncle was this mechanic, you know, who was out there. My dad just gave him a job. Like, he, he wasn't ASC certified. He could just change brakes and oil. But he was out there trying to teach me how to change brake, brakes. And uh, he's smoking a cigarette, and he pulls off the brake drum, and there's asbestos dust in those things. And he pulls it out, and this asbestos dust just flies out like that. And he looked at me in the cigarette and goes, get back, dumbass. That stuff will give you cancer. <laughs> I was like, "What? He's smoking?" And he said that he had no idea that he they, how ironic that was. And I'm like looking around, like, "Am I the only person who sees funny shit like this?" Did he say the line about you just like your damn daddy? You just like your daddy, yeah. yeah. So. And then he'd flick the cigarette, like he was good at flicking it, like 500 yards. Yeah, yeah. In a in a motor shop where there's lots of gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you about your dad, but that that story popped in my head about yeah. your uncle. You know, it's funny, like, I have those stories, but I don't really don't talk about my mom too much. Um, and she's funny, too, but she's more of, like, I feel like, in a weird way, I can't touch her. Yeah. Because uh, she's the one that is 
if I go to heaven, it's going to be because of her. Right. <laughs> like, like she's her and Jesus are like this, so I don't yeah. want to break that bond. <laughs> so just that's my insurance policy is don't mess with mama. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, you've done a shitload of stuff now. Um, so Rodney is probably your favorite gig ever. That was the best job. Best yeah, because it was easy and it paid a lot of money. I didn't have to travel. Right. Um, what would you say your favorite uh, like movie that you've done? Uh, how many movies? Do you know how many movies you've been in? No, it's, it's not that. I mean, I was in Harold and Kumar Escape Guantanamo Bay. I was in uh, uh, Into the Storm. That's a tornado movie that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, we went and saw it. It's good. It wasn't a it wasn't a comedy, but me and my buddy Kyle were the comic relief in it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I I think that's it. I only did two movies, but I've done a lot of random TV crap that are like movies, like uh, Eastbound and Down HBO. That was one of my favorites. I was yeah. so jealous of you when you got that. That was great. That was yeah. a dream come true because I was actually uh, Kenny Powers for Halloween two years before I was on the damn show. Yeah, and I remember sitting next to him. You know, day one we're shooting a scene together. I'm sitting next to him, thinking like, do I show him that picture of me as him, or do I wait? So like, oh, I don't want to show him now because it's gonna be weird. Yeah, you know. So I don't want to be a fanboy too quick. Yeah. So, uh, so I waited till the rap party and I showed him. You know, I was like, oh, by the way, I was you for Halloween two years ago. Yeah, dude. He's like, that's yeah. dope, dog. <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a very funny dude. Very generous. Um, you know, if you're like, if you have, there's a lot of improv on that show. Yeah. So if something was funny. If you had a funny line that wasn't written and maybe the camera wasn't on you, he'd be like, wait, wait, let's do that again. Okay, let's get an isolation show, John. Okay, that was funny. And make sure you get that one. I'm going to keep that in there. You know, like he wanted everybody to be funny, yeah. not just him. So I think that's part of the reason of the success. And everyone there like, likes to have a lot of, good, a lot of fun, too. So yeah. that, that was a dream come true. That was a whole summer just working in Wilmington, North Carolina. You know, and I went to school in Raleigh, which is only like an hour, two hours from there. So I had friends just come hang with me. And, you know, I wasn't in – I was in four of the eight episodes. Yeah. But they didn't shoot them in order. So it'd be like I'd work for two weeks and I'd have like a week off and I'm supposed to be back the next week. And I'd be like, well, I don't – if you guys don't want to fly me, I can just – stay here yeah <laughs> you know so i just stay there you know and just hang out they shot it in north carolina <laughs> yeah they shot it mostly in wilmington some of it in charlotte and you know it was all over north carolina yeah but yeah it was there and that was a lot of fun you know that that's one of my favorite jobs uh just because of the fun we had on that you know, it was lasted a long time and and it's, it kind of gives you some street cred being on a show like that yeah. especially if you know you think of me as a wholesome, happy-go-lucky guy, and I'm on this show. Yeah, that I liked it for the street cred part. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked you and been happy for you, no matter what you got. But uh, there was a little jealousy involved in that one too. <laughs> it's like, God damn, I love that show. I watch it every freaking yeah. Saturday or Sunday whenever it was on, and I also had a huge crush on uh, what's her name, Katie uh, Mixon. Katie Mix. Yeah, oh, whoo! That first season. Oh man, she, she showed her boobies. She showed her boobs. <laughs> Thank God for DVR. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I rewound that one a couple times. Like, good lord! Yeah. Um, so, your parents were they were, were they taken aback when you wanted to do stand up? Yeah. Well, it's weird, right? Like, like I said earlier, you, in Hickory, you don't think of it as a real job. So, my dad was looking at it like, well, this will be a hobby. He's just trying to have fun, and he'll figure his life out eventually. You know. Yeah. I do remember one time. Uh, like I said, my parents are very religious, and we would go to church all the time. It was a, church was more of a also a social thing, not just yeah. worship or you know religion. It was like some of your friends, a separate group of friends were there. Yeah. Um, so we go uh, there for Wednesday night suppers, uh, and I remember sitting around the table, and my dad's someone asked my dad like, "Hey, what do you think about your boy doing a comedy?" And he's my dad's sitting. He said, "Well, I got two." 
the boys, and uh, one of them's comedian. He's he's a ball to be around, and my other son has a job. <laughs> it's like what? So uh, he didn't take it seriously, but uh, but it, he also wasn't trying to prevent me from doing it, you know. Yeah. Um, but then I think once I got on TV for the first time, that that Dodge commercial, the very first Dodge commercial, he's like, okay, well maybe you should stick at this for a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. So, uh, and here we are, you know, all these years later, still avoiding the real job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I always had good uh, support when it came to that stuff. My mom was always just on board with it and was like, whatever you want to do, son, I think yeah. that's great, you know. And she was uh, kind of the opposite of my dad, you know, like if we, like when I was younger, if I lost a wrestling match or something, he was the one that wouldn't talk to you for two days. And my mom would be like, you did the best you could and that's all you can ever ask for and that kind of shit so there was always that element of it my stepdad was real supportive of it i remember someone asking him like asking me in front of him like well tim what are you gonna do now that you graduated college and he's like he's doing it (laughs) he's already doing it leave him alone leave him the fuck alone he's doing it and i think that by that well that was cool he like defended you yeah he defended me he's like he's doing what he's gonna do you just leave him the fuck alone yeah He'll, he'll figure it out and my grandpa we were at a church thing once, and my grandmother, they had come to see me at a show, and uh, which is just mortifying when your grandparents in the audience. Um, she, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Timmy, you ought, not to, you ought not to use the Lord's name in vain on that stage. And, and my grandpa was like, he can do whatever he wants on that stage. And I was like, hey, this <laughs> oh, is that cool. was cool. Yeah. you know, he was, I couldn't uh, imagine performing in front of my grandparents. Oh, dude, they showed up one time. I think it was like my sixth time on stage, and they uh-huh. showed up. And... Uh, they they showed up to the show and I didn't ha- I had no idea that they were going to be there and uh <laughs> this is your sixth I, time I did it six times oh god and they showed up as at a, it was at a bar too it wasn't even at a comedy oh club. no like there was no stage we were just kind of standing out there flat footed and oh. my aunt comes up and she was like your grandparents are here and I was like fuck why why would you tell me that <laughs> like I, I'm, yeah. yeah don't tell me and why are they here yeah so at I was a like bar. Tr- trying not to yeah. worry about them being there so I think because I was trying not to act like I worried about it, I was even dirtier than I would have been, you know? Yeah. Nothing worse than saying fuck in front of your grandmother. Yeah, it's out of nervousness almost. Yeah. It comes out more. <laughs> and I was just freaking I was just freaking mortified about the whole thing. Um, yeah, I hate it when, uh, like, it's a blessing and a curse when you perform in your hometown, you know, because you'll get, like, a lot of friends or family. And, yeah. And that's more nerve-wracking. I, I pref- when I first started, I didn't even tell my friends I was doing it. Yeah. Like I would just go up there by myself, you know, and open mics and at good nights and just try to figure it out Yeah. before I said like, come support me because yeah. it's like, no, let me figure this out on my own. Yeah. And I didn't. So now even to this day, I don't like, I mean, I love, but I don't like performing weird in, in my hometown because it's extra pressure. There's people who see me for years yeah and they know my act uh, you know frontwards and back as well yeah so i feel like i gotta i have to do newer stuff i gotta do some crowd work i've got to throw in extra stories about the people in the crowd that i know and and it's fun for that reason too but it's also extra uh extra nervous and and sometimes um even in other clubs across the country in north carolina especially if i have family or friends visiting who are like, hey, can you get me four tickets? I'm like, yeah, of course I can get you in. But then a lot of times friends of my family members are the worst crowd because they got in free and they're talking loud. I've had to shush my own friends because when the other comedian was on stage, going like, this is my friend up there and you guys over here, 
talking, just shut up, shut up or leave. Yeah. You know, and I, I got mad at my own people. Yeah. Um, so I, that, I know what you're saying. It's, it's extra uh, nerve wracking. Yeah. I said a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I was Sandy Danto was in here. He's like, I hate when friends or family are there. And I was like, yeah, me too. And then I got kind of cut off and I, then I felt like a dick. I was like, well, there's a lot of people watching that have been to my shows and that are, that are listening to this podcast. And just yeah. to clarify, I, I love them and I appreciate the support and I'm glad they're there, especially when it's over. Yeah. But during that, the only reason, the only thing I meant about I hate it is that it, it is pressure. It's more do, stress. Yeah. And I do think worry about the whole time. I'm like, oh, they've heard that a hundred times. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or whatever. And then I'll try new stuff and it doesn't do as well. And, and yeah. And a friend of mine made me feel better about it, though. He goes, he goes, hey, man. You know, when we come to the shows, we're not worried about whether or not you've done that joke or before. We just think it's cool as shit that you're up there. And that doing you're doing it. it, yeah. Yeah, and that made me feel a lot better. Um, right, they're the, they're more of there to, to be, like, celebrating with you that this is your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that made me feel better about it and a little less nervous. But, God, there was just a few years ago, and I've been doing it for a living for a long time now, and, I mean, I was just shitting my pants right <laughs> up until they announced me. And it was so weird. My heart was just pounding out of my chest. I could almost hear it. It was so loud. Like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? And as soon as they say my name, and I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, so I apologize, but it just goes the fuck away. Really? Okay. Yeah. You still get nervous as crap right before? Sometimes. Yeah. Not, yeah. not lately, I don't. Lately, uh... No, I, I think it's good. But it, I went to be a little phase nervous. about yeah. a year ago where I thought I was going to have to quit. Really? I, I was getting so bad. Like, days in advance, I was getting that way. Do you ever get nervous? Yeah, yeah. I, I've had waves where it's, like, extra, uh, for whatever reason, more nervous than others. Okay. Certain gigs are more stressful, and you get more nervous because, it's, you know, if it's, like, outside of your comfort zone, yeah. if you do a corporate gig or something, or you're having to MC something that I haven't MC'd forever. Yeah. You know, I just did a roast uh, in Nashville yeah. of uh, other uh, agents, mm -hmm. Wim Morris Endeavor. And I, I ate shit. Really? I hated it. And I, I, I'm not good at roasts because yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. It's not my that's not my thing to insult yeah. people, yeah. you know, because even today, like uh, like if I, and I've been roasted, I've done other roasts and I, and I can do it. You right. know, I, I, I can figure it out and be OK at it, I but right I still don't mood. like it. Huh? You have to be in the right mood for be it? in the right mood. And, you know, and I was an outsider doing this because, uh, you know, it was all agents in the room who knew each other mm -hmm. and they and they were like musical agents not comedy agents yeah and they didn't know who the hell i was and so here's this outsider making fun of them. making fun of them like who the hell is this guy you know i'm making fun of this guy's double chin yeah and then they're celebrating <laughs> him and, and and i and i just you know pretty much call him an asshole and i go well, have a good night yeah of course they're gonna hate me yeah so i, I don't know why that but I just, you know, I got extra nervous for that, and I and I didn't do well, and immediately I just wanted to leave. Yeah, I just wanted to go home. Oh, dude, when <laughs> I have a bad, when I have a bad, show, I don't want to be in the building. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, I can't get out of there quick enough when I've had a bad set. I mean, I take a beeline. I'm just like, give me the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's, I've seen some people do it where like after you bomb, just don't pretend that you didn't, and never say that you did because you don't want that living in the ether. Mm -hmm. Um. But that's like not being honest, you know. Yeah. I like it when someone bombs and go like, "That was brutal." Man, there's a lot of people in Hollywood that have no idea. They no idea that they bombed. This this girl came off stage. I was at the in the OR a few. I don't know. It's been a few months now, but she came off stage. And if if I would have had a set like that, dude, I would have quit. <laughs> you got your car and drove home. Yeah, I would have gone all the way back to Kansas. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And and she came off stage, and one of her friends was there, and she was like, I totally needed that. And I was like, what? What? Eat needed, shit? Eat, yeah. Oh, my so God. So delusional. There are people in this city that are that are so bad that when they get a laugh, it throws them. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Right, like the laughter's heckling them. <laughs> Stop fucking with me. It's not that funny. Yeah. That's funny. I had a set like that out here <laughs> once. I was at the parlor. And uh, have you ever done comedy yeah. parlor? In, in, uh, in uh, Parlor Live? In, no, no, in no. Bellevue, Washington? No, no. Or the, out here? The part of the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Jay Davis books it? Yeah. yeah. It, it can be a great gig. I've had some great shows in there. And one night I went up and. Uh, I'd always done well there, so I think I felt kind of cocky or something. And, man, I didn't get a laugh until, like, 11 minutes into a 12-minute set. Ugh. I mean, they were just staring at me like a fucking yeah. insurance salesman. Yeah. And and I had sweat rolling down my back. I mean, it was just <laughs> bad. And when I finally got that laugh towards the end, it threw me. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, these open that, micers. Now yeah, you're listening, yeah. yeah. Well, do you think it was because they weren't paying open... attention? Or because that that room can be talky. Yeah, I, I I think that was part of it because I went on you know and I fortunately was going on the road like two days later and was able to you redeem know, yourself, redeem myself <laughs> quickly. And be like oh, I was just the room and the occasion and yeah, you don't want to bomb and then have a week off. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you gotta get next, you yeah. gotta get on stage to get a good one yeah. under uh, out of the way quick. Yeah, yeah, you gotta get right back in there. <laughs> what uh, what do you think is probably the worst show you've ever had? Do you have a recollection of it? Worst show? Oh, well, could have been a college gig. Uh, well, okay. So when I was featuring, um, this was in I think Virginia somewhere. Um, it started off great, mm -hmm. like. And I had had a couple of drinks in me, and I was got a little too cocky, a little too confident, and I wasn't ready for crowd work yet. But I yeah. thought I was. Yeah. And so I'm ten minutes in, and I'm like, "All right, you guys are fun. I have a drink." I go, "Who's got a cigarette?" Her cries can still be heard. The leeward wind. And like eight cigarettes come flying on the stage. Like, hey, all right, who's got a lighter? Someone hands me a Zippo, right? Zippo lighter. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, cool, Zippo. You know any tricks? And I started like flinging it around, and I was sweaty. And the thing just flew out of my hands at like Mach 7. <laughs> and it hit a girl right in the forehead in the front row. Like her head snapped back. Like you hear it go like that. And, and it like flat. And the room went from laughter like, oh, he just tried to kill her. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh. I'm so sorry, and it's just a big red square. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, oh you okay? Oh, oh shit. Um, can, can I get you a drink? She was like, I'm, I'm fine. Just don't talk to me, please. It's embarrassing. And I'm like, oh, right. Um, are you okay? Like it was just, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so I had another 20 minutes to kill, and it was just sucked. People were leaving. The headliner got mad at me. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, one time I actually, uh, God, what's his name? Shit. Red-headed, tall, skinny guy on Bob and Tom a lot. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, shit. I'll oh, think of his name. Uh, real fast-paced guy? Yeah. His songs. has a guitar. Sings oh, a lot of funny songs, too. Shit. No, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, Google it. Internet, tell us who I'm thinking of. Um, tall, skinny, red-headed dude. Has a lot of funny songs. He's on Bob and Tom a lot. Anyway, he had preset his the stage with his guitar on it, right? He'd already done a, a tuned it up and had it on the stage. 
Um, I don't know. Do you remember me? I used to dance a lot on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, sprinkler. I had a phase where I was the Hickory Dance Machine. Yeah. And I would go. I would, I'd go on stage making fun of dancing by dancing, and uh, <laughs> one of the things that I would do. And I was all over the map. I was very physical, and I when I was doing some stupid dance, and I knocked over his guitar. Yeah. And it like ruined a fret or something, and so uh, and I put it back up, and I thought, you know, well, I just put it back on the stand. We're fine. And then he gets up there, and he's like, Bleow! and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> he was pissed, and it, it, for like ten minutes, he had to sit there and tune it, and was just like, I'm gonna kill. Like, he was just talking shit about me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh no! I felt so bad, and you know, he he apologized to me for for being mad about that. He goes, I shouldn't have had my shit out there. There, but still, you didn't have to hit my guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's his name? It's killing me now. I'll think of it later. Go ahead. John. But yeah, that's one of the worst worst uh, sets. That one and uh, I did a gig once in uh, uh, Wisconsin college gig, and they paid me. I, I, I did two shows. Right. One was a nooner in the cafeteria noon. Yeah, those are fucking brutal. Yeah. And the next one was going to be 8 p.m. that night. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. And this was a technical institute, okay? Not a university. No one lived on campus. Yeah. And so I go at noon. It's a crowded lunchroom, and it's kind of shitty, but I got laughs. I won them over about 10 minutes in, and it was a decent gig. Yeah. And she gave me the paycheck for both shows. Mm -hmm. She goes, this is for both shows. You better come back. I was like, yeah, of course I'm coming back. I got nowhere to go. And so I came back later that night. And there are four people in the place, right. and not even together, just scattered around the lunchroom. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. And she's not in there to introduce me. There's no one in the soundboard. It was just. You just walked up and did it? Nope. I thought, well, let me sit here for a minute and see if I even have to do this, right? And I didn't see. I, I walked around the campus to find her, and, yeah. I, and I found her in her office. I go, hey, I'm here for the second show. She goes, oh, that's right. Second show. Okay. Uh, and then I could have got away with it, right? Yeah. And so she marched me out there, and I was like, look, I was there's four people in there. Do you really want me to go on stage for these people? I think they're just here studying, you know? Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, you'll do that show. Yeah. Oh, you'll give me that money back. Yeah. I was like, bitch, I'll talk to that fucking lamp before you get this money back. Yeah. I, I'm talking out loud. So now it's like a thing. So I went on stage mad. Yeah. That she made me. And I the first thing I said to these four people with the microphone, I was like, guys, I am so sorry. <laughs> I am being forced to talk out loud for one hour. I understand if you don't want to stay. Yeah. But I'm going to do this. And they're like, huh. And, and that kind of got a laugh. Yeah. And then uh, I, di I didn't even do my act. It was close to Christmas. I just talked about, like, what are you guys? I didn't even try to be funny. Yeah. I was like, what are you guys doing for What are you studying for? I just talked to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, and after about 10 minutes of that, I slowly started weaving in jokes you know, when yeah. I could, and, uh, and it turned out to be a pretty decent, fun thing, yeah. but it started off shitty. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the Tim Gaither podcast. You may notice the last uh, part of that ended kind of abruptly. John was finished with his story, but the comedy store, the comedy store uh, power went out a couple times during this podcast, and my producer, John, did a great job of piecing this together and, and uh, making a good podcast for you. But if you're wondering why that cut out so quickly, uh, that was why. Um, so anyway, to uh, make up for that, I'm going to throw in a little prank call at the end of this. Um, it's one of my favorite prank calls. And uh hope you enjoy it. Make sure you go to TimGatherComedy.com. Check out all my upcoming dates and follow me on all my social media links. Uh, go to JohnReap.com and follow him on all his social media. It's all at JohnReap, J-O-N-R-E-E-P. And John Cheezer's stuff is all at laughprints.com. So make sure you check all that stuff out. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoy this uh, prank call, and God bless all of you. Take care. Bye.
Hello? Yes, hi. How you doing? I am okay. How are you? All right. This is Ron, the contractor. Hello, Ron. All right. Yeah, he told me to give you a call back about coming to give you the estimate on the windows. Oh, yes. My brother told me about this. Yeah, yeah. How many windows you guys have? Uh, we have a lot of windows. Um, I'm almost... I, I, I want to have locks put on all my windows. I have had some disturbing uh, revelations in my life. My, my daughter is working at a strip club and I, I don't want her to do this anymore. Okay. And I, I want to keep her in the house. Okay, so what do you want to do? I want to lock them from so she cannot sneak out. And how many windows? How many windows? I have eight windows. Eight windows. And I, and my wife is I uh, I feel like I am in a, 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 a TV talk show episode. My wife is turning tricks at the old folks' home. And I am torn about whether I want to keep them doing this because, one, it is immoral, but two, I also want a big screen TV. Okay, we do home improvement. We don't do TV. No, I want them to buy me a TV with their whoring ways. And I don't know if I should put locks on the windows so they cannot leave or if I want them to keep being prostitutes and pole dancers. Are you the owner of this house? Are you renting it? No, I own this house. Oh, okay. And uh, 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 what else you want done to the house? I want, I want the women inside to not be whores. No, but I can't do nothing about that. I'm a, I'm a contractor. Do you have daughters? What would you do if you found out your daughter was a pole dancer and your wife was a prostitute at the old folks' home? I don't know what I'd do. But anyway, you don't have any home improvement stuff you need done to the house? Uh, yes, I need locks. But that's why I was asking your opinion, because would you, would you appreciate the money more, or would you rather your daughter and wife not be whores? I know, I just wanted your opinion, man to man. Okay, I don't know. I do would like a big screen, I know that. Okay, okay. But I don't right. want my wife to be a whore. How much, how much is it? I don't know. We have a minimum though, $2,000. We contract. Well, I think my wife brings home about 2000 a week being a whore. Okay. I don't know what my wife, my daughter makes being a pole dancer, but I don't like this.
Hello? <clears throat> Hello? Do not hang up on this message. This could be the most important call of your life. Our records indicate that you either have no health insurance or, due to the new regulation changes, you may not qualify. <clears throat> Wait, help is on the way. Just press 1 now to speak to a local agent and get the help you need. We are accepting all existing con Connecting with the Healthcare Enrollment Center. My name is Chad. Are you looking for an individual or a family plan? Hello? <clears throat> Hello? Hello, who is this? Hello? You fucking prick. I am good. How are you today? We supposed to be uh, meeting you guys about come get your estimate on their windows. <coughs> when we are doing this? Uh huh. You're supposed to do the what? Uh, about the windows. Supposed to come and give you a free estimate on those windows. I'm just trying to find out how many windows is it. Um, I am not. I I, I don't. The homeowner is not here right now. They're not home. What time they come home? Um. What time is it now? Um, it's uh, uh, almost it's nine thirty-five. <coughs> Can you call back in about ten minutes? About ten minutes. Please yeah, call back then. Thank you very much. <laughs>